Welcome to West Indies on 99.94, the home of cricket audio. I'm your host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt from the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. And with me as ever is my co-host, also from the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, Mr. Santoki Nagilendran. Today on West Indies on 99.94, we're going to be talking about West Indies' likely journey to the ODI World Cup qualifiers. Santoki, take it away. Listen, Michelle, West Indian players, they thought they had next June free in the calendar. It was all free to get starts on holidays, but, you know, it's looking like a long and arduous trip to Zimbabwe for the World Cup qualifiers. This is a result of the 2-1 ODI loss to New Zealand and also, most, almost just as importantly, the two-point deduction for a slow overrate in the final ODI against New Zealand, which means that the onus is on Ireland and Sri Lanka to overtake us in the ODI Super League rankings and get direct qualification to the World Cup. So, Michelle, I mean, from my perspective, it's not a massive surprise. We were always being optimistic, thinking West Indies could directly qualify for the World Cup. But I guess also the state of our ODI side and the way we've performed recently, especially this year, means... It's what we deserve, isn't it? We deserve to qualify, have to go through the qualifiers, I guess. Yeah, I I think it would have been, if we had somehow, I'll say lucked, but if we had somehow lucked our way through automatically, and the only, realistically, Santelka, the only way for us to do that would have been to beat New Zealand 3-0. Even if we'd beaten them 2-1, okay, so we'd be on on 98 points now um, uh, with the two-point deduction. It would still be likely that one of Ireland, Sri Lanka or South Africa would probably still catch us anyway. Yes, it would have increased the chances of us maybe miraculously going through to to the automatic stage of the OGI World Cup. But as you correctly point out, we don't deserve to be there. Um, Our our OGI cricket, particularly in 2022, has been bad. Our OGI cricket since, since 2015 has just been bad in general. In fact, maybe our OGI cricket over the last seven to eight years has been bad. So we, we don't deserve, we don't deserve to be there. And I think it's important, Santoki, that we say this for West Indian fans around the globe to also be realistic. Prior to this New Zealand series, given how we'd played versus Bangladesh, India, Pakistan, Ireland this year, why would anybody have expected us to, to win two games versus New Zealand? Yeah, exactly. And Going back to those ODIs, I guess we also, weirdly, in a weird way, we paid the price for honouring our tours. When we went to Bangladesh in early 2021, obviously the Super League had just started, so we didn't know the ramifications, but we essentially threw away three ODIs by playing what was a C team uh, in Bangladesh because of COVID withdrawals. So that didn't help us. But then, as you said, we lost to Ireland at home, which for me, once that happened, I was like, OK, we're going to go to the qualifiers. Um, we, we don't stand a chance. And, and that looks like happening. Um, But I guess, ironically, against New Zealand, we didn't play too bad. Considering a lot of people would have predicted a 3-0 loss, we won the first ODI to stop any records being broken in terms of most ODI losses. We were on the verge of that. And then the second and third one fell away from our grasp. But ironically, considering we've been on for the past few episodes talking about West Indies' lack of strike bowling, we actually bowled New Zealand out in the first two ODIs. It was the batting 
which led us which led us down the path. So it's like a seesaw with West Indies cricket. When one thing goes right, the other thing goes wrong. And we just haven't got that balancing act at the moment. But Mashless, where do you want to take it away? I guess before we look at the ramification for the World Cup, let's look at that series against New Zealand. So we won the first one, bowled New Zealand out for a relatively low score and um, chased it with Shamar Brooks playing a valiant innings. But I want to talk about first the additions to the squad. So we got... Two... <laughs> Listen, with with West Indies cricket, if you told me two weeks ago Yannick Kuraya would be <laughs> playing ODI cricket for West Indies and starring, I I wouldn't know what to say. But that's where we are. Um, so to put it into context for those who aren't familiar, sort of with the ins and outs of the domestic scene, Yannick Kuraya, he's thirty years old. He was part of the under nineteen World Cup squad in two thousand and nine ten. He played 18, I believe, list A matches um, throughout the past 12 years. And but most importantly, he'd captained the super the super 50 emerging sides to their surprise win in 2019. As with anything in West Indies cricket, we've talked about it a lot. The pathway just hasn't been there for him. He hasn't been able to make the Trinidad Tobago side, so he didn't play for them in the Super 50 last year. And he's sort of just been muddling around. He was um played first class cricket for Trinidad this year. He was in the A team. And then our desperation for a leg spinner because of Hayden Walsh's junior's failings in the um, format meant he ended up getting a surprise call-up, but he didn't do, didn't do too bad, Mash. If I was Hayden Walsh junior, I'd be sweating right now, is all I, is all I will say on that. Some will look at Yannick Karaya's figures from the, the last LGI where he did take some licks. I think he bowled 10 overs for 77. I think he got two wickets. And yeah, he took a bit of licks, but if you look at his body of work across, I think it was two, he played two in the end, across the... Uh, or three, um, of the ODIs that he played, he looked, and this is with the greatest respect to Hayden, but he looked like he was bowling more threatening deliveries, leg spin deliveries, than Hayden does. Now, I would need to probably go with an expert and look at every single delivery Yannick Karaya bowl, but the eye test, to me, said, wait a minute, this guy's got more control um, than Hayden, He's put in four out of six balls in an over on a spot to, to ask questions uh, of the opposing batter. Yes, the first two ODIs, the, the tracks were friendly. Uh, and we're not going to see tracks that often that are that friendly, in uh, generally speaking. Um, but certainly I'd say that Hayden should be sweating a bit with Yannick Karai's performance. But you make a bigger point there, Santoki, which I think, again all West Indian listeners need to bear in mind because uh, we we received a few tweets on our Carib cricket handle saying, how is this guy even in the ODI side? But this is the stage we've now reached. Anybody can get in the ODI side. You just have to show a tiny bit of form at the right time and you're getting in the ODI side or in, in West Indian selection in general because the, 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 the key word you used, Santoki, was pathways. There is no set pathway. And I think we've spoken about this before as well. If you're lucky in the Caribbean, you might play eight list A matches in the whole year. And if you're lucky, you might also play a bit of 40 over club cricket. So really and truly, when when we talk about West Indies ODI selection, really and truly, it's about who's ever showing any form in any other format of cricket. Because there's no list A cricket to base anybody's selection on. And when you put all of that together, again... I think the conclusion you get, it's no surprise that we lost to New Zealand, lost to India, lost to Bangladesh, lost to lost to Pakistan, lost to Ireland, etc. Because really and truly, what's the pedigree 
What's the pedigree we're choosing from when it comes to OGI cricket? Yeah, 100%. I think, as you've rightly said, we don't have a structure. There's no logical choices to come in. Okay, so Hayden Walsh isn't performing. There was no one obvious to step up who had the experience, and we sort of had to just hope that Yannick Kouraia could make the step up and pick it, pluck him out of the blue. Mainly this year, he's been playing first-class games. He hasn't played a list A professional game since 2019, that emerging, emerging series. He hadn't had much experience, but we had no other option, so we had to drop him into the ODI side. And that's just, if you look at New Zealand, they've got cover for all positions. So Kane Williamson gets injured, you bring in another batsman. Uh, Trent Bolt goes out, you bring in Lockie Ferguson. They've got cover for all positions. Web West Indies, we're essentially scrambling in the dark to find players in the region who we think might be able to step up and throw them in at the deep end. So we were never going to beat New Zealand 3-0. As you said, we might have locked out and managed to get a series win. But ultimately, I think it was a fair reflection that New Zealand did win 2-1. I think um, there were a few few standout performances for us. But second ODI, what were we, 27 for six at one point? Chasing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which just sort of highlights our our woes in the back. I think Yannick Rye was the top scorer in that, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, he got he got his he got his old I fifty. And listen uh, again, gone. We had uh, we had Carl Mayers for a duck, Shamar Brooks for a duck, Brandon King two, Puran got a two, Jason Holder first ball duck. So that's our top that's our top order. Our experienced players are going out like that against the, the likes of Bolt and Sal. We we never really stood a chance. The difference in the difference in quality there, and some would argue the World Cup qualifiers might help restore some confidence if we're just taking licks against these top-ranked nations. We might go to the World Cup qualifiers, win all our games. That gives us momentum heading up into the World Cup. So for me, I think, to be honest, as much as the region will cuss out about us having to go to World Cup qualifiers, it might give us the moral boost that we need. You're more positive than me. I'm, <laughs> if, if, I had to, if I had to bet some money right now in August 2022, so the World Cup qualifiers are in March in Zimbabwe in 2020. Is it March? No, no, that might be wrong. When is it? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, June. Sorry, it's June. Uh, June 2023 is when the World Cup qualifiers are. If I had to bet my money right now, Santoki, I'm saying we're not even getting out of the World Cup qualifiers. Something would have to drastically change. In our, and But not because we're not good enough. Hear me out. It, you've actually already given the answer as to why we, we, we all struggle to get out of the World Cup qualifiers. The problem is, Santoki, how often is this team able to put together a coherent ODI performance. And when I say coherent, I mean the batting comes off and the bowling comes off. Usually one of the two suits is going to let us down. So even if you look at the last ODI, we we, we put up 302 or 301, sorry. I'm not saying that's amazing. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, but it's, I mean, on that Barbados track, it probably should have been 330, right? But it was still over 300. Now at the halfway stage, I, c- I could see some people tweeting saying, hmm, West Indies might pull off like a rare series victory. And I was like, no, we're going to lose. Because the, the 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 probabilities tell you that even if we put up 300, the bowlers probably aren't going to be able to defend 300. And also, unless our bowlers bowl a team out for 300, we're probably not going to be able to chase anything that the, the, the bowlers. So, geez, so that that... The, the, the first OGI victory we pulled off, yeah, that was fantastic and well done to the team. But we were only chasing 179 or whatever. I think it was something like that. So the reality is when the proper targets are set, we're, we're nine times out of ten, we're not chasing them. And when we set a proper target, nine times out of ten, we're not defending that. 
Do you see? Do you see what I mean? So. I think we struggle because we can't put together all facets of the game on anything uh, uh, approaching um, a regular basis. And Santoki, I'm going to come back to you now because I want to I want to take you to a talking point that's been dominating the the forums and uh, and it's been a big cuss out topic um, uh, over the last week um, to the point where even Jared and I had to do a, do a video on it. I just want to see where you stand. Shay Hope Santoki in that final ODI. Batted. So we we got to 179 for none by the 35th over, right? Shea Hope at that stage was 51 runs off 101, no, off, uh, 51 runs of 102 balls. Santoki, our cricket has got to such a stage. <laughs> when I went into all the forums and all the cuss out chats, ev- pretty much 90% of people were saying, now nah, that knocks fine because at least it set a foundation. So Santoki, <laughs> <laughs> we we've we've reached we've reached a point in our ODI cricket where our expectations are so low that everyone's going, yeah, fifty-one from hundred and two balls. Yeah, that's fine actually because at least we're not all out for two hundred. That's where we're at. That if anything puts into perspective where we are at as an LDI team, that sums it up. Listen, that's why we put Tej Narayan Chandapal in the A-team ODI side, because we're getting ready. That's that's the new philosophy for West Indies. Anyone who can stick out 20 overs with the with the bat, we'll, we'll just throw them in the team and, and take that as the best. But I think, um, yeah, the Shea, the Shea Hope one's a, it's a tricky one, because I can see both sides of the argument. One, you've got... <laughs> You just need someone to stick around, basically, and soak up the balls. But at the same time, in 2022, to be going at a 50-strike rate as an opener in the international <laughs> matches is scandalous. Um, and I think, I I would say our ODI side is now, remember before, be, remember building up to the 2015 World Cup and England were kind of like they had Alistair Cook and Jonathan Trott, mm. and they were sort of seeing 300 as their target, and Kind of like West Indies, even if they reached 300, you knew it wasn't the pass score for that pitch because the players weren't able to play that expansive range. The problem is, West Indies, we don't have the resources that the English Cricket Board had to pile into rebuilding this ODI side. So for West Indies, we just have to sort of trudge on. And I think with Shai Hope, it's acceptable 70, 80 strike rate as an opener is fine because you've got other players who can bat around you. When you're batting at 50, and then Carl Mayer was batting at under a runner ball as well, even though he got a century... You're placing a lot, a lot of heavy emphasis on like Puran had to basically come out and he played remarkably well, 91 or 55. But how many times is that going to come off? How many times is number three going to be able to come in and play that level sustained across an ODI? It's it's almost impossible. It'll be one in four, one in five at best. So for me, I think Shai Hope does need to increase the strike rate. Um, It's always going to be a topic, but I, I just don't know. What went in his head at this point? I'd love to know. Was it just panic? Was it just he just couldn't play the ball on the pitch? Because we know Shahop, he's played T20s, he played in the CPL. He's not he's not a Tej Noan Chandapal classic batsman in that regard. He can accelerate. So towards the latter stages of that innings, when um just before he got out, what was going through his head? It'd be interesting to know what why what was his was it just I just need to stick around and others will make up for it or kind of what was the ability is. It's, it was a puzzling innings, I would say. And obviously, no discredit to Shai Hope. He's a world-class batsman, one of our standouts in the format. But for me, that was a remarkably bad innings from him. I think what keeps coming back to me about the LDI side is, because obviously the, the cuss-out will return for Phil Simmons. 
the the cuss out would have been ferocious if we'd lost all three games because then we would have set the record, right? But he man- we managed to win the first one to stop the rot. The cuss out will come for Phil. We don't play ODIs again until we go to South Africa next year in March. So there's a long, long wait. And those will be the only ODIs. So three ODIs in South Africa prior to the World Cup qualifiers in Zimbabwe in June and July, right? So Phil is likely, you would assume, to still be in post, although his contract actually ends in March 2023. So it's going to be... So actually, I'm going to ask you that question first, actually. Before I get to the original point I was going to make, Santoki, Phil's contract actually runs out in March 2023, and I'm not sure how many people know this. Um, Mm. What do West Indies do then? Because... Obviously, we would have had the T20 World Cup, and maybe a lot of it depends on what happens in the T20 World Cup. But... Will they re- Will they get rid of him in March 2023 and then have to have a new coach, probably an interim coach, take us to the World Cup qualifiers two months later or two and a half months, three months later in the midst of IPL or just at the back end of IPL? Who's even going to go to those qualifiers because IPL will be going on? It starts in June 18th. Isn't IPL still going on at that point? <laughs> <laughs> What what where do you even see that particular stance and talking in terms of what we do head coach wise? I think I think you make a valid point. It will be definitely linked to the T twenty World Cup, how we perform. If we go out in that first round where we're facing Scotland and Ireland, I think Simmons will have his he'll be forced to leave the job. Um just because of two back to back poor World Cup performances, even though we know there are other factors surrounding it. Um but I can also see as well if we potentially lose to South Africa badly in March. The thinking might be that someone with fresh impetus might give them some new ideas right on the eve of the World Cup qualifiers, and that might spark them into a change. Because at the moment, we're in a rut, um, and it's easy to blame Phil Simmons. But as you said, that rut's been dating back seven, eight years now. So it's not a short-term rut. But the thinking could be that a fresh person coming into the dressing room might boost morale, might kind of freshen up attitudes and help them in those World Cup qualifiers. So I could see them actually bringing in someone on the eve of the World Cup qualifiers just to add something new if we stick in this rut all the way until March across both white ball formats. So then in addition to that, the other thing to consider is, say a new head coach. So that's why I asked you the head coach question first. Say a new head coach comes in, though. My, the problem center, so, so I'm, let's, let's just look at this, uh, this Kiwi series. You've got Hope and Mayers at the top, right? After that, you've got Brooks, King, Carty. Obviously, Puran's in the middle of all that. And then Jason Holder at seven. Like, how much can a how much can a, a coach change the output from like so Carty's played what nine matches now, or maybe had yeah. seven at bats, he's averaging twenty-four. Brandon King's averaging twenty-three. Brooks is averaging thirty-five. Obviously, Puran's the captain. Holder averages twenty-four. Mayers comes off one every four innings. Hope bats at a strike rate of 70. Oh, I should also point out that Brandon King, Shamar Brooks and Carty all bat at a strike rate of 70 something, if not lower as well. Puran and Mayers are the only two in that top seven who can potentially go at a strike rate approaching 100 or above. There's not a whole lot you can do with that side, you know, Santoki. So get rid of Phil if you want. But what can you even, in, in the modern era of of, of OGI cricket, what can you even do with that type of side? 
Well, this is the thing. I think you've you've often put on social media, we're essentially an associate side and we're sort of catfishing as a major nation because I think there's an expectation because we come under the name West Indies, we should be doing well at World Cups and stuff. Whereas as the reality is, how much can you get out of a Casey Carty? Is he going to go to India and hit a century against India or Australia? It's unlikely. No, I think the trend in the last, what, three, four World Cups, ODI World Cups has been... We generally lose most matches. We'll pick up two to three wins and then that will be it. And that's been the trend, what, since maybe 2007. Um, so that's sort of where we are. I don't know. A head coach, like I said, similar to what you see in football, might be able to provide a short-term boost to players, maybe bring in one or two new faces and give some new energy. But long-term, it won't change much. As you said, we'll have the same talent pool of players. And we're, we're sounding like broken records at the point because we essentially say this most episodes, but it's true. Our talent pool is so limited. We need to be thinking of a mindset of an associate side at this point. Like Scotland aren't going to think about, oh, if we go to the World Cup, how can we beat most teams? They'll just be like, okay, we're at the World Cup, what can we do? <laughs> West Indies, we just need to be, at this point, we just need to be grateful if we make the main World Cup and then hopefully pick up two to three wins. I think thinking, oh, we're the West Indies, we should be doing well in World Cups. It's long gone. We haven't seen that for the past 15 years. So I think us, and when I say us, I mean the fan base across the region just need to be realistic where we are. These are the players we got. These are generally, obviously, aside from the likes of Evan Lewis, one or two players who aren't there, generally these are the best players in the region. Um, and we're, put, we're putting them in the side. Phil Simmons is an excellent coach. We've got an excellent head coach. The setup is generally well. Um and this is just the best the best output we can get from what we've got. It's just worth adding because it's always important to give context as usual. Because, of course, some people listen to this and say, nah, you two are talking nonsense. We, if we get a proper head coach in, whatever that means, um, things will improve. But it's just worth noting for people. Evan Lewis has currently turned his back on West Indies cricket for whatever reason. Shimron Hetmeyer is in sometimes, he's out sometimes, personal reasons, so on and so forth. Those two are the only two batters who have an ODI record of any worth to, in terms of talking about who would substantially improve our side. Neither one seems to be, quote unquote, fully committed to the West Indies at this point in time, right? So then, Santoki, what you then have to do is say, well, we just played a three-match ODI, quote unquote, ODI series versus West Indies A versus Bangladesh A. I went and pulled the numbers, Santoki, and these are the top three batters in that ODI series. Josh, Josh De Silva averaged 36 with a strike rate of 78. Tej averaged 35 with a strike rate of 66. <laughs> Teddy Bishop averaged 30 with a strike rate of 71. Now, my point is this, Santoki. That, that, that's the backup. That, that, that's... That's the backup numbers. So, when, and the thing is, I'm not laughing to cuss anyone. I'm just saying that that's the reality. So when people are saying, do this, do that, when when Santoki and I say stuff like, boy, the cupboard ain't really saying much. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I could work with Josh's numbers. You and I have called for Josh De Silva before. Yeah. I could work with that. I could work with a Josh De Silva in the middle, somewhere in the middle like four, five, six, batting at a strike rate of 78. It's not good enough, but I could work with that. But there's people legitimately calling for Tej um, Santoki, and he just played Bangladesh A, and his strike rate was 66. Now, if we're going to cuss Shea Hope, <laughs> we, you can't put Tej in the team then, but that's that's the backup. 
Do, do you see where I'm coming from, Santoki? Yeah, and there's no quick fix. I know a lot of people will say, all right, what is your solutions? In an ideal world, you'd be able to send a West Indies A or emerging side to maybe play in the Royal London Cup in England or something, 50-over competition, or get some experience. We can't do that. We're limited to tournaments within the region. And as you rightly said, Mash, the cupboard is bare. So there's no obvious candidates to come in. There's no one who... I know in most countries you can say, oh, why hasn't this player been called up? Why haven't they given the opportunity? West Indies, we've literally picked the best players available in the region um, based on stats and even intuition. So... You can throw Tej Narayan Chanderpaul in if you want, um, but averaging 66 on the A-team ODI series means that generally in internationals, your strike rate goes down even further. So we'll be having two openers if you play with the Shy Hope who, have, who are getting strike rates of 50 <laughs> at international level. So there's no quick fix. As, as rightly said, we're not here to offer solutions as to what West Indies can do or bring back the glory days of the 70s and 80s. I guess what we're trying to say is realistically, this is where West Indies are. We're using the best of our talent pool We've essentially maximised what talent we have and it's reached a level where we can't compete with the top nations in ODI cricket. Yeah, and I think I actually like, I'm sure there'll be some people who will rage at what you said, but I actually like what you said. We now need to put our thinking in the mindset of a top associate side. Getting to the World Cup is now an achievement for the West Indies. That's the reality. That's the harsh reality. Getting there is the achievement. Winning one, two games is the achievement. Certainly in ODI cricket. And there's, there's, there was even a couple of people who messaged, who messaged us saying, you know what, it's, as you said, Santoki, it's better we go to the World Cup qualifiers and learn to win some games than go straight into the main draw of the World Cup, lose everything except maybe one game. Then nothing. What did we learn for that World Cup cycle? Yeah. Nothing. We we just. <laughs> you know what? So. I would say. You know what? Apologies to anyone who doesn't watch football because you you probably wouldn't get the analogy. But I would say, Mash, we're basically like Norwich City fans at the moment. Like yeah. you know, and Norwich are in a championship and they'll score like a hundred goals, loving it, winning so many games, and then they come to the Premier League and their fans are like, oh man, here we go, losing every week. <laughs> That's essentially what West Indies are, Mash. When you were watching us beat Netherlands three 0 it was a great time. The fans were loving it. <laughs> All things were good. As soon as we go to play Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, is oh man, here we go. More licks. So maybe our lives will be better, a lot stress-free, a lot happier. Mindfulness would be Listen, better if we just stick to playing associate science. Until we beat New Zealand uh, in that first ODI, those Netherlands games were the last time we did this one. <laughs> Listen, I saw us at our greatest element this year, you know. <laughs> so maybe maybe that's just what we need to do. We just need to stick to playing associate sides, get the feel-good wins, and just, just don't even worry about World Cups anymore, man. For real, for real. But it's it, ultimately, ultimately, you know what, And as a way to almost end this episode, this is probably why it's apt then that so many people are talking about future tours programme, and is ODI cricket going to die? Because, and here's a controversial statement, Santoki. If ODI cricket died, that's no bad thing for West Indies, you know, because we ain't on anything in ODI cricket. So if that format of cricket is about to die, good. Because then we don't have to deal with no more licks and it don't affect us in any shape or form whatsoever. I think because of how small our talent pool is and the resources we have, we're essentially stretched across three formats. So as you said, obviously it'd be a shame ODI has a long legacy. We won the first ever World Cup in the format. But I think realistically in modern cricket, probably for West Indies cricket, it'd be better to just be able to focus on two formats, T20s and Test, and have distinct lines between the Red Bull and the White Bull players. I just think ODI cricket is too much of a burden to add to the region to 
expect to excel across the format on top of what we do in T20s and Test cricket. So it's unfortunate, but I think this, that's probably a realistic reflection of kind of the modern game and the economics that go around it. Most definitely. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, thank you as ever for listening to West Indies on 99.94. If you are somebody who is interested in, I guess, wanting to learn a bit more about West Indies and domestic list day cricket, we should be due for our premier list day competition later this year, Super 50. That is supposed to, that is scheduled to happen at some point this year. So if you are wanting to message us and say, what about this name? What about that name? Wait for Super 50 to take place and let's see who are the people, who are the batters in the region who put their name forward? Because right now, going into World Cup qualifiers, there's a whole heap of places that are technically up, up for grabs. So let's see who shows who shows up at these. If well, if they're not at a T20 franchise competition, let's see who shows up for Super Fifty to try and uh, force their way into West Indies selection. But Santoki, that's goodbye from me. Is it goodbye from you? Yeah, that's a good buy. And obviously, it's a, it's a hot topic we've discussed. If you've got any comments, opinions, feedback, cusses, just drop them in the comments below on this video on 99.94. Stay locked in, people. Thanks for listening to West Indies on 99.94. Please rate, review and subscribe. You can also download the 99.94 app from wherever you get your apps. If you'd like to follow us personally... Go to at Carib Cricket on Twitter and Instagram. You can also head to www.caribbeancricketpodcast.com where you can find links to everything we do outside of 99.94. If you'd like to follow us personally, you can find Santolki at Santolki89 and Michelle at MashSTPaddy. Remember, if you love cricket, then 99.94 is the home of cricket audio. Follow them for podcasts and commentary from the world of cricket. Hi, my name is Andy Billman, and this is the Believe in the Land podcast, a weekly look back at the week that was in Cleveland sports. The highs. Oh, Guardians Club, Guardians Club. The lows. I've been asked on this channel all the time, when are you going to panic? Panic button's been hit! And everything in between. I directed a film that came out in 2016 called Believe Land. And we love our sports here in Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you, God! Check in for weekly podcasts and so much more. What the hell was that tonight? All in, all day, every day. Go Cleveland, believe in the land.